Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Welcome to the podcast, Catholic Stuff You Should Know, No, 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 No. Hey, uh, nice. A J10 initiative. You know, after 270 270 introductions, I'm still amazed that you can whip up a new one. Well, I was listening to the old recordings, Uh, and they were all like... Hey, welcome to the podcast. And it's like the same, <laughs> the same exact line. Yeah. Hey, welcome to the podcast. This so is you're trying to, you're this trying is Deacon to, Mike. This is Deacon Mike. You put a little 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 zip on it today. <laughs> I don't. Uh, That's Father John. That wasn't actually. And uh, Father Mike. Very uh, thought through. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Good to be with you. Kind of a uh, kind of a quiet, rainy evening in Rome here. Yeah, it's uh, starting it's to warm up. We got through the chilly January, and uh, here we are, feast of Saint Blaise, but. Also, the overlooked Saint Ansgar, Saint Ansgar, who uh, my Swedish friend, my right here, is devoted to. Great missionary to Scandinavia. Yeah. So I think he was coming out of um, Combe, is like a, a monastery in France. Okay. And then was sent to Denmark to be the first missionary bishop there, and then uh, ended up much more successful in Sweden uh. before the people um, kind of turned back to their pagan ways after he had died and then were reconverted later. I uh, had this vision. This is how prayerful I was during Mass of uh, Ansgar, like as the Swedish chef. Do you remember him from the Muppets? And no, like a mitre. come on. You <laughs> got you to gotta think we're, of like this we're, cool... We're, well, yeah, he... Uh, that I mean, he, or to, Ansgar, I think... Look, some, to yeah. break through to the Vikings, you got to be pretty yeah, tough. Yeah, you can't be holy, 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 holy. Yeah, that's true. He probably wasn't Swedish... Swedish chef, yeah, the Swedes. <laughs> yeah, well, you were you that. were telling me that that Ansgar uh, evangelized everybody, and then they all lost their faith, and then the second guy came in, and it yeah, and I wish I could remember the name of the second. Yeah, guy. yeah. Well, speaking of uh, things falling apart, oh yes, shall we? New news. <laughs> it's a it's a sober evening, I'll say, and we're drinking bourbon, but we've been we've been uh, tested in sobriety in a different way. This yeah, week. You, fear and trembling. Fear and trembling is right. So the more astute podcast listeners might have um, noticed that uh, sometime last week, about 192 of the episodes just disappeared off the feed. From the website. From the, the website, yeah. from iTunes, and uh, people are saying to themselves, you know, uh, what what is going on? And uh, Which is a very common thing, you know, with our very unprofessional family-style podcast here, but we have a, a bit of some splaining to do, as, as Goebel would say, um, about what, what happened, and because uh, there's a rather substantial um, shift that's happening with the introduction music, if you have, have not noticed, which you definitely have. Um, yeah, why we it's picked changed. up some cool new updated music. That's right, some cool new updated music, but uh, as you'll find, not only do we update the newest stuff, but we're going to update everything. Here's the backstory. Are you ready? Yeah. I'm going to take you back in time. I I know it already, unfortunately. (laughs) Painfully. This is a nightmare. Uh, No, it's fine. Um, Father Mike and I started the podcast in uh, 2010 together, and um, kind of call it what you want, negligence, vincible ignorance, uh, being uh, cavalier, I don't know. Idiots in a little room. Yeah. You know, we didn't know what we we were doing. So we picked a song we liked, and uh, then started putting these things on the internet and uh, we're surprised that people started listening and we kind of caught the podcast thing like before it was cool like nobody was listening to podcasts 
like in 2010. That was kind of a, yeah. you know. I didn't know what it was. Yeah. I mean, we were making one, yeah. but I didn't know what it was. <laughs> so we're down in this little room, in this dark little uh, room, kind of putting these things out every week, not really thinking about it. So the years pass by, and we become priests, and, and we're kind of doing this thing, and we kind of publish them as usual. Then this summer, we got to a point where... Um, we were like, you know, we probably should like become something because we have these volunteer friends who help and we need to probably pay them a little bit. So we started looking into becoming a nonprofit. What would that be? J10 initiative, nonprofit. And at that point we thought, eh, we probably should look into this like music thing, um, which we kind of knew all along, like we probably should look into it. So the day finally came. That was about six months ago. And, uh, our, we have a lawyer friend who helped us out. And over the next few months, we, Worked on trying to kind of legally work this thing out, um, which came to a uh, climax last week, a very exciting one, uh, but then a nice resolve, uh, which basically was just remove it from the podcast, the song that we don't have rights to, and there will be no further consequences, which we were very happy to hear that. Oh, we're very Very gracious. It it was merciful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in in our defense, as if, you know, I think we've mentioned this a few times but i um it's not it wasn't clear to us kind of like what how how much of a clip you can use what kind of right um what's involved in that and we probably took a a long time to figure that out but um i'm glad that we're figuring that out i'm glad that we're moving on and uh we're going to we make things right. I remember when I was in seventh grade and I forgot my sleeping bag on a 14er trip. I was camping and I looked at my dad and I said, Dad, I forgot my sleeping bag. And he looked at me and he goes, Son, tonight you're going to learn a life lesson. <laughs> and I, feel, I can hear my dad's voice like, yeah, 33, still learning life lessons. Yep. So anyways. You're not going to die. We've repented of our ways. And what that means is we have to uh, get rid of illegal music off the podcast, which means that we have 272 podcasts to remix mm-hmm. without the music. Here's the tricky part, and this is kind of stay tuned on this one. We don't have all of the original. <laughs> we've been doing this for a lot of years, and a lot of people have helped us out over the years, and we've lost a lot of the um, a lot of the episodes. Yeah, we have all the ones well, that are mixed, kind of the, but not this the is raw. Kind of the deal with our <laughs> yeah. our pretty. I mean, you're lucky you're getting anything. Yeah, out it, on the web. Yeah, exactly. The fact that it ever makes it to the internet. But a lot of them, yeah, we only have files that are like complete and right. already. So, so we have to go. We have to go back and revise everything. So or yeah. A lot so of that so stuff. basically, we have everything from if you if those longtime listeners will know that there's basically two halves of the podcast. There was the first half, which was 2010 through 2013. And then we took a nine-month break, and then we started again in September of 2014, and are going to the present day. So everything in the second half, uh, which is about 120 podcasts or so, we have all of those. So those will come up in the next few weeks, mixed down with some new music, um, and uh, those will be back up. We're trying to figure out what to do with the first three years, and we might be able to work with it, but we might have to just do a different introduction. We might call it the vault and just say we're re-releasing these things. But anyways, the content of every episode should be back out. We're just not sure how long it's going to take. Yeah, and I think what this means is all those people, and I think they're actually a minority, that complain about the banter (laughs) are finally going to rejoice in the fact that some of it's going to get clipped. Anything that happens uh, at the beginning or the end um, with the 
kind of the intro playing in the background. Right. The great banter clip is, Although that's is about not, to unfold. I don't think that's much. Usually no. we start the banter after the right. intro, we, right? We go long sometimes. Yeah, we you know, we can do the banter for a long time. So um banter haters rejoice. Um law, legal friends uh rejoice. Everything is uh tutto posto, as they say here. Everything's now kind of in its place in order. But we are very happy to introduce some new music. Oh yeah. So well, it's cool. I mean, we got a great replacement. One of our friends, a great musician by the name of Perry West. Harry, Harry West. This guy is cool. This guy is as hip as hip can be. <laughs> he's living in Denver, Colorado. The only thing unhip about him is that he he's friends with us. That's probably about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I shouldn't say hip as hip can be. Yeah. But he uh, Perry whipped this thing up last week, like last minute. Becca Messel, we got he sent the SOS and. Um, and she got Perry, and he put together this little ditty, and uh, we're really grateful for it. So Perry West is the man. We'd really appreciate it if you have $7.63 to spare. Go buy his album on iTunes, which, oh, yeah. which he just put out, called The Glass Half Fool, right? Glass Half Fool. And you're not going to regret it. I mean, this thing is something awesome. you should buy anyway. Odysseus, We'd be plugging this Odysseus thing whether or not he helped us out. I think that's our favorite, would you say? His Odysseus on that album, if you're going to buy one song. Well, Jenny, you'll hear Jenny, the first song. That's like oh, get the classic. album, people. Get the whole Come album. Come on, yeah. get the album. Seven bucks, get Save the album. Save up. Save up, because uh, he's our friend, and, and he's kind of a starving musician. And, and uh, we're really excited to promote him and really grateful for his support. So... Perry West. Thanks, Perry. Yeah, Perry Appreciate West. And thank you to the whole um, team that we have, you right, know, all right. these volunteers who are doing extra work these days to uh, fix this old archive and um, get us get us up to speed. Up to speed. Up to speed is right. And we hope to, um, you know, with this nonprofit thing unfolding um, in the next month or so, we're looking at, you know, maybe we can get some money together and uh, and and reimburse these people because they're they're just poor young people who are committed to the podcast to help us and so uh we'll we'll keep you posted on that but that's uh that's to come so yeah Anyways, that's that that's <laughs> the that's the news so yeah i mean you'll just this this is only going to affect really the change in music and then um everything that's been archived right or a lot most of the podcasts that have been archived right but everything continues as normal, you know. We're still going. We're, we're not dead yet, and uh, the miracle of the of this podcast uh, continues that it's that it still goes after seven years, and uh, so it's crazy. So you know? on to better news. Well, I mean, it's uh, a feast of Blaze. Yeah. It Blaze and Hanskar. Hanskar. It's also the birthday of one great yes. Father also Michael O'Laughlin. That's right. Right. <laughs> Sorry, I have the image of. Uh, if you remember that Chris Farley episode with Chippendales, uh, do you remember that? No. Yeah. He's dancing. Yeah. He's got no shirt and a, Goble, just a tie or something with yeah, Patrick Swayze. Yeah. Goble just sent him that for his uh, his birthday. Oh no. And, yeah. yeah. So, oh, anyways, no. Olaf, you are the man. You've been a great uh, companion addition in the last few years, and um, we uh, yeah we just love love having you on the podcast. It's crazy. It's already been a year and a half. He's been with us, and uh, yeah. Just a great, uh, great guy. So great priest. And great guy, and I'm blessing feel, to us. Like he, he's one of these fun hip guys in Denver, and has been for a while. Yeah, and one of those guys that you're always like. I think everybody is interested in getting to know. Yeah, uh, but this has really been the occasion for me to get to know him. Right, is, right, uh, right, Through the podcast, and then through our association with yeah. companions. Yeah, happy birthday, Tantia Happy Gudi. birthday, Tantia buddy. Gudi. Cheers to. And our, then you our get our the pictures. Gutka. You get all these gifts. 
What do you call them? Gifts? Gifts, like yeah. Like those moving pictures yeah, of that uh, snowman from Frozen. Yeah, yeah. It's also an Olaf. Yeah, that's right. Got kind of a Scandinavian theme going this evening. But that's about to change. It's about to get Asian. Can I get put in a request to this Lego guy? Do you know the Lego guy on <laughs> Facebook? <laughs> I'm just going to throw this out there. Okay. What about, can you? Can we do a Lego? This guy on Facebook has been doing... I thought it was actually you, just Val- under a... Valentino under a, or somebody? Under a I should look this name. up. I'm sorry, Valentino, whatever you are. <laughs> Valentino, that's the gelato guy. <laughs> Yeah, it could be the gelato guy. It could be the same guy. Yeah, doing the Legos. it could be. <laughs> anyway, this guy's doing Lego scenes for all the podcasts, and he's posting them on the Facebook th- on the Facebook feed. They're funny, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and I always kind of get, like, get embarrassed about it or whatever. But um, I just like as long as it's happening, can we can we do like one of those snowmen uh, Olafs uh, for uh, Olo yes, in one of nice, these? It's a nice request. Just yeah. one of these episodes, not everyone, because exactly. I like these characters. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. You got to put in all kinds of time to paint the little sunglasses on. I them. know. I think one of the things, if you're if you're listening to the podcast and you want to get our attention, kind of the more outrageous, I guess. Oh, that, I think people that, know that. that. that I think this it. guy Valentino knows that. <laughs> Valentino. Uh, Valentino. Yeah, that's funny. That's it's that's pretty cool really though. Crazy. I mean, like, I love the the Lego Movie. Yeah, you remember that song? Everything is awesome. Everything is awesome. Yeah, <laughs> that song. Well, happy happy birthday, yep. Father Olo. Yep, Olo. That's I was going to start memory. the birthday song, but then I was thinking, um, it's always the guy with the worst voice who starts the birthday <laughs> song at the party. You know. Is I, it ever? Well, like when was the last time the best Joe Diger, the person with I remember the, Joe like, Diger who, started who can it. keep it on? He started key like with this opera the right voice pitch. Yeah, everybody starts it like way up or way down or I weird. Think being sung "Happy Birthday" too is one of the most awkward experiences I think. That's true, in but life. everybody does it everywhere. Oh man, I just just man, but you probably like that though, huh? Just the awkwardness of <laughs> I kind of do. I'm not sure I like being in the middle of it. I love it. I just like yeah. relish it when right. it's happening to somebody else and I'm participating. And I'm just as off as yeah. everybody yeah. else. Yeah, well, quick update here on Rome uh, as well. I think uh, congrats to you. You, got, uh, you just finished your first uh, semester as a professor of Greek. Yay, thank you. Very exciting. And round two is about to begin. Congrats to my students who worked very, very hard. Yeah. And that's what it takes to learn yeah. ancient languages. Bravi. You got to just keep job, at it. Guys. Yeah. And some of them really, like that dark horse you said, some of them really came through I know, in the end this there. guy came back. He was he was struggling, struggling, and uh, he just rocked it. Yeah, that's impressive. You put in the work. That's impressive. I realized I forgot to start the timer. This is going to be bad. Um, there we go. And then I just wanted to say I'm going to be staying for the doctorate, so I'm going to be over here for a few more years. So yeah, that's kind of all the other auguri. news that, that See, came. Okay, yeah. so the Italians say auguri. Auguri. Auguri means uh, like congratulations or best wishes right. or like for a great future or whatever. Okay. Well, we we've gone. On. Do you want me to take the topic? Topic. I got it. It's short. You want? Well, just oh, we've man. been bantering for a while. Oh, it's your call. Um, no, go ahead. Okay. Can you do it? I can do it. I don't want to cut you off. That's all. I can I do it. I want to. I want to ask you the question: of Is there such a thing as Buddhist charity? Oh man! Uh, and you don't have to answer. You can answer at the end. But um, I picked. I don't up, know. I actually, I'm just looking forward to hearing about it. Yeah. Well, I picked up this cool little book by Henri de Lubac, who's the uh, teacher of Balthazar, good friend, who wrote a little book called Aspects of Buddhism. And uh, one of the chapters in here is called um, Buddhist Charity, question mark. Mm. So, you know, you hear a lot of this. Um, Buddhism is really, um, you know, and, and just the Eastern spirituality 
especially in the sense about the 1950s, it's really become very influential in the West. But really, for the last few centuries, it's kind of become a dominant thing in the intellectual world, the kind of the influence of that. Mm. And part of what's happening is we start to kind of read into the East with Western lenses, you know, yeah. calling things as they are, which is understandable, you know. But it starts to get tricky when you have kind of these anti-Western sentiments, you know, yeah. and you start looking for like the pure religion of man and these things, and uh, and, and to to want to escape and get away from this institutional hierarchical religion of the West, which has caused all these wars and done all these damage and is just completely archaic and uh, monolithic, right? Which is kind of the the typical, I think. Yeah, I think people Western get, understanding get sort of bored and frustrated with what they have and they feel like you know if my life isn't perfect there must be something out there that's better right right yeah. so whatever i've inherited or whatever it must be wrong right and then there's something right right that i'm going to go looking for exactly and uh, there's something about the Buddhist thing. I remember when I was in high school and I was just like hated the Catholic Church and I was just kind of like, well, I think I'm going to be like kind of Buddhist or blah, oh, yeah. blah, blah. You know, everybody kind of goes into these phases at times, but they don't really know what they're talking about. It's a, it's a very beautiful tradition, a very beautiful religion. And I'll say religion, not philosophy. Um, and yeah, ho- hopefully come to that. I was going to ask that. you about that. Yeah. Um, but again, it depends how we define these things. I think Delubach has a very interesting treatment of it. Uh, but first, maybe just a little brief introduction to Buddhism and then go into Delubach's read on the whole bit. Um, now, before we do that, I would just like to qualify and say that I have absolutely no um, authority to speak on these things. So I'm going to try and stay close to his text. But Well, you read a book. Read a book. I mean, we Delubach, studied... But you took a class we with We took a class Garansky, with Garansky. Right? Um, yeah. And, and you were in Boulder. You saw some... Right. Of yeah, yeah. I had friends who were... who were. So that's yeah. different. I mean, Boulder or California. Right. Garansky would say this. And this, I, I'm with you. I, I don't know a whole lot about it. I've kind of... Um, kind of tease like satisfied some of my curiosity about what what's going on with hinduism buddhism right. uh, studied some world religions like that but i i'm not in super deep yeah um but uh i do recall garansky saying you got to be careful to to think that california or american buddhism is the same thing as right traditional buddhism absolutely absolutely although they can be different you know yeah it, it might be adaptable in a way that it doesn't matter if it's holding to the tradition, I don't know. Absolutely, I, I think Christianity requires a tradition, but I'm not sure if this other one does. Well, that's a that's a great initial insight that that when we talk about it, it's not just like this tradition that's kind of held together. It's just all kinds of things. So, who are you talking about? What are you talking about? You know what I mean? Mm. A lot of like ignorant high school kids like I do embrace Buddhism because it looks like this non, this kind of amor- amoral in the sense of like morality doesn't matter. Um, kind of religiosity, spirituality. Even doctrine. But that's yeah. crazy. It's actually extremely moral, um, at least in certain traditions, but it's also very, there's so many different expressions and different things. So it's, we're kind of dealing with the, it feels kind of ethereal almost to try and get your hands on it. But we'll try and kind of explain a couple of details on it and then and then go into the question of like, what is charity? What is love? Which is something I've been working in uh, this last week in particular. And so hopefully we'll not bore you with, but I'd like to get to, Aquinas on the end here. Uh, so, anyways, nice. Buddhism. Uh, it's pretty much a, a known fact that in the year 563 BC, uh, there was a man named Saki, uh, Sakyamuni. And Sakyamuni mm-hmm. is the historical figure that we would call the Buddha, right? And so 
He comes from a, a noble class in northern India and is... Um, Whatever. What, what was it about? Siddhartha Gautama or something. Oh, yeah. Siddhartha. Who's that? Yeah, I remember that, that Seinfeld episode, yeah. So well, this I is think, what okay. he says, so it might be the same thing. Sakyamuni is Sakyamuni. the... Sakyamuni. Um, so anyways, Sanskrit, yeah. I don't know. Sanskrit, yeah. Um, and so anyways, he, he, you know, he's this kind of rich young guy, um, noble family, noble birth. Uh, and then kind of breaks out of that and searches the wisdom figures of Hinduism in northern India and kind of is unsettled and then has this moment where he has enlightenment. He's under the fig tree, the famous scene. Um, and then for the next 40 years becomes an itinerant preacher uh, and, and creates kind of a monastic following. So people leave their life and follow and he, and he preaches and then about around the, uh, he's about 80 years old and he dies. All right. Can I add just a... Yes, a little bit, which is uh, I think is an imp- important part of his story, that he re- he rejects the polytheism of the Hinduism that he was uh, brought up with, um, because he encountered for the first time he kind of one of these rich nobles encountered for the first time suffering mm-hmm. in various ways, mm. it was like sickness, death, um, his own suffering. These various forms of suffering, and um, and he said there must be some way out, and so I I think it's it's important to be reminded that Buddhism starts by um, recognizing that um, suffering is the problem of humanity, right? And it's really the state of humanity, right? And then this offers a, a road out. Right. It's kind of like a program to get away. And that's one reason I would call it a religion is because it's a way, right? Mm. And it deals with the transcendent desire in the heart to move beyond it. But that's key. All contingent being is suffering. That's kind of the first yeah. principle of Buddhism. And honestly, that's true. It's really true in some ways. And you think back to a couple of days ago when we were sweating it out over here, you know, when we were going through kind of some questions about this music stuff, all contingent being a suffering that that felt like a very solid reality. Um, but there has well, wait, the, wait a minute. The though. question though becomes For what us, what exactly is that? That's a, p- a post lapsarian reality. Okay, now so okay, yes, it so, was yes. not created to be that way. Mm-hmm. It didn't. It doesn't have to be that way, or didn't have to be that right. way, depending on how you look at that. But that's all Christian. The, the whole concept and or Jewish. And now Christian. that the world has fallen, and because the world has fallen, yeah. All right. So I'm t- trying to explain the difference. We say this is a valley of tears, right. you know, and that life uh, is full of suffering. And we right. admit that. I mean, I, I think it's that's an important reality for any religious person, right? And but, then, yeah. but it's kind of like what's at the at the base is uh, is life necessarily suffering? Mm-hmm. And we we think that it doesn't have to be, right? And, and that's the that's the that's really the fundamental difference is the concept of creation and then the fall is very different than than the foundational understanding that comes out of Buddhism. And this is where everything kind of begins, and the trajectory of the different ways are going to depend on that, you know. And the question of charity is going to it's all going to come back to this. So I think you've you've got it. So the Dharma, right? The law or the truth is about this the the how what is the origin of misery suffering. And how do we suppress that? How do we get out of that? How do we get, how do we, you know, break on through, as Garansky loved yeah, to quote right. Jim Morrison, right? And uh, so basically, you know, the, the origin of misery uh, and impermanence contingency is, um, 
is ignorance. And that, and from that breeds desire, and from desire breeds becoming, and we call that samsara, and that's the karma cycles of the becoming, right? Mm. So you got to kind of break out of the the cycle, um, which means the annihilation of desire, which means the um, removal of all ignorance, which we call yeah. prana, which also is a great company, right, that makes clothing oh, yeah. in the United States. Is that and the same thing as enlightenment? Enlightened, yeah, yeah. yeah. The but prana is the is is the is wisdom. That's the word for wisdom. Uh, so I guess that's Sanskrit. So, anyways, that's prana kinda, makes clothes they're with. Yeah, they do. These are prana pants, actually. Right nice. here. Yeah, very comfy. This is kind of like the. It's the cool thing. It I, is it's the cool just thing. It's so bolder. It's so I outdoorsy. Know. I know. And it's cool. So avant-garde. So avant-garde. If you want to make money out there, anybody who wants to make money right now, you, you got to be paying attention to Buddhist words. Right. Take Just take notes of words that we say here. Yeah, exactly. So Anybody who loves Buddhism out there right. is just horrible. Oh, we're going to get some heat sinkers <laughs> from this one. Uh, because, I mean, we're uh, doing the best we can here. And we study, we've study we studied the basics of world religion courses, been around it. Have Bo- I have Buddhist friends, you know, following with Catholics who are Buddhist. Um, but I and, think it's uh, good to discuss it. But, but I, I think, and I think we have a basic respect. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I really do respect anybody who's religious, right. and you can be deeply religious and be Buddhist. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, so so here's the um, fast forward to the time of Christ, and you have a major split um, in terms of tradition, and this is kind of the the two big things: the Hinayana, which would also be called Theravada tradition, and the Mahayana tradition. Mahayana goes north up to China and the Far East. Mm. And Theravada and um, and the high, uh, Hinayana one, it kind of ends up in like Southeast Asia, so like Burma and um, mm. and uh, Thailand and these different places. And What's so the Tibetan one with all? That's the, a totally different bird. All the, the Tibetan thing is complete. Yeah, T- the Tibetan Buddhism is really blended with the kind of the native uh, animism in these things, okay. and it's a it's really That's a different like, world. Yeah, okay. it's kind of crazy and uh, interesting. The but one of the the reason I say this is because the Mahayana tradition, which goes up into China, is much more influenced by um, outside sources, so outside influences and these different things. And meaning like Chinese, like Confucius, so like Confucius blend, blending with the yeah Taoism. But then there's also theories of eventual Christian influence because I think mm. the Monoth- Monothelites made not not Monothelites, Monophysites made their way up to China. Oh yeah, we have inroads into into the faith. Uh, in China, like from the fifth, sixth century. I mean, it's yeah, pretty yeah, early yeah. on. There were missionaries out there, missionaries way out there. Time, but a lot of them are so kind of loosely Christian. By right? That point. Yeah, yeah. They're 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 kind of um, a heretical understanding of the natures of Christ. What happens though is um, you have this emergent thing called the Bodhisattva, so kind of the Bodhisattvic dimension, you know, uh, which is the the person who this is really kind of uh, quickly summarized, the person who basically says, "I will withhold um, entering into nirvana, which is the, the place of perfection, getting out of the cycle of samsara, um, until all of all of the of creation is able to enter into nirvana." Right, so it becomes this kind of sacrificial thing. Ah, I thought the, they I thought they get there, but if you get mm-hmm. there, you disappear. Yeah, something. no, you're no, you're not there. You withhold. But so, you get close. I right. mean, they've practiced Buddhism for a long time, right. and then they realize a lot you of wait. things. Yeah. And they realize that everybody else is below them and suffering, yeah. and they, they want to go back and help people. Yeah, exactly. And so that uh, that just kind of develops in the Mahayana tradition. And that's very much so, that's a key thing that people look at when they say, yes, this is the same as Christian charity. Why can't, you know... But that's localized? 
Yeah, it's not Terraveda. Yeah, from what I from what I understand, what I've read. So, um, and you got to wonder where did this kind of, you know, we came across a certain statue of Buddha that was from Japan called Jizu Butsafu, right? His name is Jesus. Like it's just a kind of a crazy. Yeah, so there's you wonder about these influences, but the Bodhisattva kind of dimension movement. It's it's later on, uh, and here's one of the initial points is to say. Um, in Buddhism, you and I would both be out of a job. Exegesis and theology. Nope. Yeah. There's no real historical documents that go back to anywhere really close to the, the 6th century BC. So we really have, we have a pretty solid sense of the historical figure who is called later the Buddha. But the Bodhisattvic thing, the, incarna- the reincarnations of the Buddha, all these different things, these traditions that we kind of, are, kind of naturally see with Buddhism, this is much later on, and there's really no way to even remotely try and identify them with the historical moment. We don't have like libraries or something. Mm-mm. So there are there are um, the sutras, the vinyas, and the uh, uh, excuse me, uh, ahidharma, uh, kind of the canons. But it's nothing like a New Testament. There's not. There's no kind of, and they don't really care. I mean, they're not really worried about the historicity of of these right. books, right? Right. It's the application. It's the same with the Upanishads, which would have been the Hindu texts that pre about a half dozen of which predated um, the the historical figure of the Buddha. Um, kind of, where do they come from? We don't really know. It's kind but of. But I think know. with those Sanskrit like um, Hindu documents. A lot of that is very carefully copied and kept, mm-hmm. and I, I think they had like clerics and other, you know, scribal yeah. traditions to copy all that stuff. Um, th- it's represented in art. That's the difference between Buddhism, because Buddhism is so simple right. that it doesn't have all the imagery right. and the like plethora of stories and gods right. and all of that stuff. And um, so I think like in, in kind of the 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 roots tradition. You have some of these, uh, some of these things, but they're not sitting around wondering, like, to trying to tell the history of no, things. No, it's an extremely. They're trying to get somewhere. We have to remember that it's an extremely pragmatic yeah. religion. It's just we need to we need to get out of this, out of the suffering, and we need to alleviate suffering from the world. So, anyways, and even maybe like study would be a way of still clinging to the world. Yeah, yeah, and not or maybe escaping like a rung the on the ladder you know? to, towards getting out. Yeah, because yeah. ignorance is part of the whole samsara, uh, so you, yeah. you're trying to get out, but yeah, everything is going to be kind of a means. So, okay, real quick here. The three virtues, um, the kind of classical virtues in Buddhism that um, are recognized, are important um, as part of this way, that often get played into as charity are the following. Um, maitri, which is the word for loving kindness. I'm presuming these are all Sanskrit words, you know. Can you hear? No, you don't know. Okay. No, sorry, Sanskrit's I don't know rusty. that stuff. Dana or Dana, I don't know, or Dana. Um, uh, that just means giving. So there's kind of this giftedness to it, and then Karuna, which is like the that's what we the compassion, Buddhist compassion, which is really like yeah, pity, compassion. pity. Mm. So the Maitri, the loving kindness, or the the Karuna are oftentimes the ones that get looked at as well. There's this humanism and these different things and. And again, a lot of this is about, um, it's part of the way, you know, about uh, getting towards, getting to nirvana, so to speak. Um, It it involves the other. It's not just, I'm doing my own thing, you know. It's about Mm -hmm. alleviating suffering. It's about not causing suffering in the other, and then moving there, you know, 
uh, on our own. So they're together. So it, it does look like, oh, this is kind of like charity, you know? So, but Henri de Lubac would but say. But it's not the same. It's avoiding damage. Right. And charity is kind of like, I mean, there's something different from Jesus saying, love your enemy. You know, that seems to be very different from the idea of avoid people who piss you off and that you're going to go and offend. Right. Or you're going to get, you're going to get, become a worse person because you're around these people. Right. That's different than try to love them, you know, Mm -hmm. actually exercise this charity for them, sacrifice yourself for them. Um, I don't know. I, it, it just seems kind of intuitively different. Yeah. A lot of this is the syncretist project behind this, you know, that mm. syncretism is the, 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 the kind of the worldview that sees all religious expressions as you hear this line, it's all these different paths up the same mountain. So it's, it's kind of a relativism. It's kind of a religious pluralism, synchro, you know, kind of the, the, the synthesizing, bringing everything together. So you that project is trying to put these things together. But yeah. what we're finding is that they really don't actually, they're really not the same. And um, here's why. Here's Delubach's reasons. Mm. And, and uh, Delubach and Nepple kind of. So um, I'll start with uh, three that are more basic and then move into the deeper ones. So number one, he just says it's unhistorical. So we don't really know the virtues that the Buddha exercised. This is completely different than the Christian expression of God who says, love your enemy, who calls mm. us friends, um, who describes and, and forms people in this specific kind of charity. There's no historical actions to base Buddhist charity in. That's his first argument. A lot of stories about the Buddha, but yeah, nothing Yeah, a lot of stories, but nothing right. really, yeah. Hmm. And so as an exegete, I can just see your, uh, yeah. see your brain yeah, That's spinning. a problem yeah. for this guy. And then the next one is, um, he just talks about how it's unrealistic, and, uh, and then un, um, which basically means that um, the understanding of charity is, is the eradication, especially the bodhisattva, the eradication of all suffering in all time, ceasing. I mean, think about what you're, you're trying to undertake, you know, um, to get rid of any, if we're talking about animals, everything, everything in creation being free of suffering. Of any suffering, Of yeah. any suffering is what, is what the kind of bodhisattvic movement would say. Um, and you, versus can't, the, you can't move to enlightenment until everything's perfect. Exactly, yeah. And so for the Christian, we're going to say, well, suffering's going to continue to exist, but it's been accounted for in Christ so, but it's only by the nat- his divine nature that that kind of act is accomplished. And well, I'll come back to that in just a second. Uh, he talks about how it's unrealizable. Buddhism sees uh, human existence as like a dream, kind of a dream-like thing. So hmm. when you get into these like Matrix movies or Inception, oh, yeah. I loved Inception. But it, that's kind of a Buddhist-inspired thing of like, this is all not real. Like this is yeah. all contingent. And yeah, that's like one of all, the, mon- the yeah. mantras and things right. that you're going to be saying. Right. Telling yourself, reminding yourself of this is uh, fake. Right. Nothing's real. Nothing's real, yeah. And then you can escape the problem of suffering. Right. Because when you take things too seriously, then you hurt. You know, right. But if you can just detach from everything, yeah, then uh, nothing is painful, and that's kind of like a good strategy yeah. for <laughs> avoiding pain. But no, yeah, uh, yeah, it, it might not be what we're looking for. You know? It is. It's it's kind of the natural human thing is to escape. Um, and this is the Platonic thing in the West. This is the Buddhist uh, approach in the East. But the Christian thing is completely different. What Christ proposes and, and what he calls us to is, is completely different. Okay, i got to keep moving here because we're getting late already. 
Buddha, uh, Buddhism sees charity as a, or this kind of loving kindness, this compassion. It's provisional. It's a means to an end. So I love you in order to get out of samsara, out, out of the reincarnation, out of the cycle, to break out, to escape. So I'm not love, love is not an end. It's just a means. I need to do this um, so that this can, and that's really altruistic. And even the other you know? person isn't. Right isn't the end, you know. And that's the next... The good th- of the other person. That's yeah. the next thing, and that might be actually good. Um, if the notion of a person, the concept of a person in Buddhism, is that's where the whole foundation kind of falls out. If the ego is an illusion, how am I supposed to love my neighbor? Like, you're, you're, not, you're not real. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not, an, you're not a... Your ego is not a real thing. You're not... So the, the, the anthropological foundations of the, of the faith constitute this thing is totally different versus you're not a person of dignity you're you're an individual to be annihilated right and that's a very different understanding of um what am i actually fixating on what am i actually Mm. loving and when we get to the christian thing here in just a second we'll explain that Hmm. next argument there's no ontological solidity so there's no transcendent sense of love we have this deeply rooted sense that God is love in us in the West. It's just deeply, deeply in us after mm. centuries of Christianity. That, the, that that which transcends all of creation, all of contingent being, is itself love. The fullness of being. everything, yeah. Yeah, the necessary being of God is itself love. God doesn't love. God is love, right? His being is coextensive with the act of love. And uh, that becomes the source the ontological, which is a fancy word for, for being, why love makes sense in creation, because it participates in that ontological transcendent being, which is God and his love. Okay? And then lastly... And then, and then otherwise, the, the idea is there is no transcendent, or the transcendent is just something beyond what can be known or something like that. And then... Love is only something that we kind of tell ourselves we can do. Right. Well, and, that, and that's right. But what, what's beyond us and the is bo- just either mystery or nothing. Yeah. And, uh, and the, the, uh, the Buddha never talks about that. He never talks about what is, what's the beyond. It's just kind of, that's just... Beyond. Beyond. It's for the enlightenment. Uh, but we do know that charity belongs to the mundane order of things. Charity is part of the world of uh, contingency and the world of suffering. Mm. So it's it's not it's part of the fall, fallen, so to speak, right. um, things, and it's passing. So it's there, but it's not it's not the beyond. Nirvana is not the divine the divine vision, uh, the divine partaking of uh, participation of charity. That's mm-hmm. that just wouldn't make any sense, right? Mm-hmm. And the last thing here is the annihilation of desire, right? So desire is uh, something in the human heart that is part of this thirst. And uh, the Buddhist thing is about annihilating that, getting rid of desire. And the Christian response to desire is actually very interesting. If you think about Augustine, you know, where he talks about how happiness and and holiness in life are about learning how to desire rightly, Um, the reorientation of desire, that eros, which is the Greek word for desire, is actually fulfilled by agape. And that's what... um, uh, when uh, Benedict XVI wrote his fantastic papal encyclical called Deus Caritas Est, God is Love, he talked a lot about the relationship between Eros and Agape and how the Christian understanding of the two is kind of wedded in a way. Eros is not bad, um, but it actually it just gets fulfilled. So yeah, It's like the, 
the proper ordering of desires so that we can fulfill our desires, but in the right way. Mm-hmm. They're not bad. They're just disordered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that brings us back to the Christian notion of charity, right? And that is to say, well, what what is charity exactly? So here's the back on this, unless you have any thoughts or questions on his critique. Well, here. I got a bunch of questions. I, I mean, I found that I find this topic very, just like fascinating, and uh, it just provokes a lot of ideas in my head. And I hope that we'll come back to discussing world religions, you know, yeah, um, and do that fairly consistently with some episodes, but. Well, I, I mean, I have yeah. I have a couple of specific questions, but well, let me give you. I think we should get we should get through the Christian part. Let me give you Aquinas on charity, and then we'll go back to your questions. Okay. How does that sound? Deal. Okay, good. So, um, I've been kind of worming around in the uh, in the Summa and uh, writing on on some different things and working with charity. So, the first question I had was, what's the difference between charity and grace? Right? Because we talk about grace a lot, and grace is a, is the 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 will of God um, partaking and, and creating a mode by which He can share His very life. When that kind of thing affects the human will, it's called charity. So charity is a virtue, which means you know a habitual disposition to the good. It's infused by God. It's given by God, mm-hmm. and it's a share in His life that forms and fashions the will. Here's what's interesting, Aquinas calls, he builds on this from Aristotle, he kind of pulls Aristotle and the Gospels together and says charity is a friendship, friendship with God. Mm-hmm. It's amor be, uh, uh, benevolentia. Um, it's a benevolence, a good, good willing, a good wishing, right? But the, beneath that is this mutual kind of indwelling, this mutual um, relationship, this communion, which is formed from the act of love, which presumes a communication. So here's the point of this. If God does not communicate himself into history, there's no such thing as charity. So if the incarnation didn't happen, there's no such thing as charity, because charity is the, the infused grace that forms my will to be able to be in friendship with God. So it all begins in the Trinitarian life, a perfect life of charity, which then flows out. The point of this is to and say... And then somehow these two like bind, mm-hmm. and the two become one. That is right. God and creation, or God and humanity. Right. In a created form, right? In a created fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, God gives us the capacity to share in and to enter into his love and actually to do it. So, so charity is, is a habitus, which means it's like a living, active principle within us. So God infuses that. But... We live in a world of just nice people. Everybody's nice, especially if you're from Minnesota, which we have family <laughs> yeah. from Minnesota. Everybody's <laughs> nice and just eating their hot Hansgar. dish. And uh, yeah, thanks to St. Hansgar. <laughs> well said. But uh, we've lost a sense of charity as a gift, right? It's not, it's not just all these nice people go to church every Sunday and they gather together and they sing nice songs to God. But it's like, no, we're lost in sin and we're broken and there and we're unfulfilled in our desire and God breaks into our life in history and gives us the gift of his love which infinitely transcends our capacity for human love. There is such a thing as human love, but it's not the divine gift of charity, right? Mm. And so when we talk about charity, we don't just mean, you know, um, giving people gifts, giving, you know, I don't know, like gifts to orphans or something like that. Well, yeah. That's how we think of giving charity. Giving money to poor people. Yeah, we think of it as pity, yeah. Yeah, pity. Yeah. And uh, it's not that. It's it's this deep and profound 
uh, transmission of God's life. In fact, it's the highest of virtues, and it's the most uh, profoundly infused, and it's the one that's most transformative in the human heart. And in the end, it's the only thing that remains, right? Faith and hope will pass, mm. and love alone remains. And Paul, so, yeah. yeah, and so... Um, what we're understanding about here is, is... It's a supernatural reality. It's not something that human beings can just say, I want to do that. Right. You know, you have to have the grace of God. And now we can't always, like, calculate that and say, well, I asked for this, so now it's happening. Or, oh, I can see that happening because, I don't know, this is like, I feel supernatural or something. Right. But it doesn't come from a natural way of, of being. Yeah. And that's like a Christian claim, you know, yeah. that we're getting something as a gift from God um, that is unique and that's really impossible for human beings. This sort of rational animal, this kind of monkey that came out of the cave and started dancing around and doing art and right. music and stuff, right? Um, asking questions about God. Um Started doing law and music. <laughs> yeah, sorry, teaching too law. soon. Teaching Greek. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. And, well, and, and, okay, and the so Buddha, yeah. I don't so know if you're. Tr- I better stop there and let you talk because we're we're already getting oh, late. So no. go ahead. Well, I have kind of two. Go for Two it. thoughts. One is, uh, Father John and I got in a bit of a fight <laughs> over <laughs> the last month and a half or something, and it was just like a friend's um, kind of difficult time if yeah. you really care about people you go through uh you go through times when you're right. just like you know we got to clear the air and um i found myself asking god for charity at times uh, for the gift of charity because i really hit a point where i was like i don't know how to love this guy better than i do and i want to i mean he's my friend and i want to get over the the problems that i have or the annoyances and i want to be I, I I just kind of feel like I've reached my limits of how can I love him better because I want to be a good friend to him. Yeah. I really care about this guy and I want to um, I want to make his life happy and delightful and and better than it is and stronger and everything you know. And I don't know how to do that. And so I'm asking for this gift. And um, it was a really profound grace to be able to get to that point. You know, you hate to you know, find yourself in that place and with friendship, but, um, to, to be asking for the grace of charity, recognizing I have, I actually have faith that there's, there is a possibility of God giving me something more than, uh, not something I could figure out or not something I could just like creatively come up with. If I think hard enough, I could figure out how to, to be a better friend. But God, change, you know, like you see a bigger picture. You know better than I do. You have love that's deeper than I do. So, um, yeah, asking for that grace. So that was kind of like a moment of charity I yeah. bring up. No, and it was, it was certainly mutual. And, uh, yeah, there's that, there's that sense of, uh, yeah, uh, Sunit always signs her emails off as poor in love. I think, I think she got that from Mother Teresa maybe. I don't know. I like that, I though. I bet, yeah. I like that, though, because there's a poverty to our love, and that's what moves us to beg mm. God for charity, and we really should be asking for it, you know? And if you're not feeling like... If you don't wake up time to time and realize you don't love the people in your life like you should, and you don't even understand them, you know? That was part of it for us, is just kind of getting to this point of, like, all these years together, but we, we're, we're, we, we're not yeah. loving each other like we should, and it was mm. both ways. And if you don't hit those moments, then you never... 
you never turn into the Lord, you're missing opportunities for, for this outpouring of grace. And it really, it's real and it changes the heart and it's really beautiful. So, and we're not stuck with our limitations. Like I, I think you could say, you could pretend, Oh no, I'm just not enlightened. I'm just not there yet. If I keep practicing whatever I'm, you know, doing right, then I'll get to the point where I'll figure everything out. Yeah. And we don't have to do that. Right. You know, there's a freedom in just in our pro- in our poverty in our in our limitedness to say, God help me, you know, free me, give me give me give me your grace and give me uh, the ability to love. Okay, now we're gonna have to come back to this next one. Okay. Down the line. Okay. Um, but. All right. I could see. You it. know, you read this delete He's got the hand book going. He's and, got the, yeah. Oh, man. I know. This is big. I'm okay. trying to just like formulate a really big uh, kind of question I have. Um, in, in, the, uh, in the 50s, in the uh, beginning of the last century, um, we started to take seriously and encounter the other religious traditions of the world in, um, for the first time, I think. Yeah. And, um, and to really ask a different question, which was, um, what, it, what is beautiful about these traditions? What is culturally rich? What can uh, be praised? What can be honored about these, these uh, religious traditions? Um, what's the goodness and what's the truth? And then you have, whenever you first meet a new culture... Uh, now this is just me thinking, riffing. Of course, uh, whenever you meet a new culture, you say, "I notice very quickly what is exactly the same as what I know in my own culture, and what is totally different." And you're kind of bouncing between this like huge pendulum swing between um, this is all the same. You're you're exactly like me, and then realizing no, you are totally different than me. And then you're kind of like coming to a center where um, you can recognize like a fullness of um, like the reality of difference and um, and also acknowledge like the goodness of what's true and what's uh, not not true, but what's the same. Um, Okay, so now we're talking about like encountering other religions and here we're talking about buddhism um the way it's been presented i think is very helpful for those who want to reduce everything to this sort of deist project we're all the same let's not split hairs let's not consider anything different and let's uh, let's pretend that everything can be reduced to like little re- pieces of rhetoric compassion, God, whatever it is that you say, oh, we're all the same. We're not all the same. We have very distinct histories that are beautiful in themselves, that are profound. We have different traditions. We have different ways that are um, important, you know, and we have claims to truth. And I think that's where we're kind of getting is that there is a claim on truth that Jesus made that is an important part of Christianity. Um, but I think we're kind of moving toward, uh, after the first blush of first encounter, when you have books like, uh, you know, you have people like Thomas Merton trying to encounter and mm-hmm. in- integrate these traditions. Um, 
Okay, so you, you see where I'm getting at. Yeah, like yeah, these yeah. big questions of like, okay, what um how long will it take us, <laughs> you know, to sort of come to a, a a realization of um this is how we appropriately share things between um between diff- very different traditions and how we acknowledge and respect and honor the best in these other traditions, but uh, how we can be honest about them. I th- I feel like this position was very um, De Lubach's position was uh, very honest, and he wanted an honest evaluation, mm-hmm. and um, not to reduce things out of respect for them as well as our right. own tradition. Right. You know, I think it, it. I think it is respectful to the other when you you don't pretend that they're the same as you. You know. Um. So I don't know. I think we're getting there. When I go to Boulder. It's all a syncretist project. Right. We're all the same. Right. Adapt this stuff. We can all do it. And then you look silly. Yeah. When these guys, you know, these European kids are flying Tibetan Buddhist flags, you know, right, right, and right. calling themselves Buddhist. Right. I don't take that very seriously. Right. I'm sorry to all those people who um, are very sincere, but it, those are very old traditions. And, uh, you know, people who are born into that, you know, have a sort of privilege to that way of thinking and culture that I think is much, much more rich and deep than saying, oh, I read this book, or my professor told me this is cool, or yeah. someone told me this is, a, this is a philosophy I could adapt. Yeah. I like it. I, I, like, I like where you're going with it. I think that's a whole other uh, podcast we should do. Um, two quick points, if you don't mind. Did I cut you off? No. No, it's just... Number one, that the encounter is happening. It needs to happen with the East. So Mm -hmm. much so, Gronsky used to say he likened the um, the engagement with the East to the early church's engagement with Hellenism. So with Greek philosophy, which it it had a very interesting thing. And the church has a tradition. The the faith has a tradition of always kind of drawing the best out of it. You know, with that the Hellenization of faith, it was like it it purified and perfected the best in, in the human in the natural order. You know, that's the gift of the supernatural. So he would go as far to say that that's the next conversation. I think Ratzinger says that. I think Gronsky used to quote Ratzinger. Nostra Tate, document from the Second Vatican Council, talks about the church, anything that is good, honorable, and true to found in other religions, the church esteems mm-hmm. and recognizing. Great line from Joel Barstad, who used to say, um, to be Catholic means to see truth wherever it can be found. Mm. So we don't go in with a scalpel into Buddhism and, and try and cut away um, which is kind of what de Lubac is doing here as a theologian and as a good scholar, I think. Um, but it's more about reverence, kind of you know looking for um, what are the what are the avenues, what are, what are the good what are the good things, what are the truth, but also being very clear because, and this is the second point, we're living in a post-Christian world that is an mm. anti-theistic world, right? That's the that's the big thing is it's anti-Western to the core, the secular project is about rejecting Western ideals with their Christian foundation. And so there's no kind of critical yet free appropriation of Eastern spirituality. It's, 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 it's in tandem with this rejection. So Delubach, Balthazar, these guys, some accent more, and I think I fall into line with this, about defending the absolute and the universal reality which is the catholic faith which is the event of christ yeah um, the incarnation other people will build up from the anthropological foundations and, and sociological and try and and look for ways to 
to kind of build those bridges. But um, they're kind of two different approaches. But I think over, I think you and I are on the same page. Somebody's flying into the White House Sorry. here. Can you hear that? Yeah. We live right next door to the uh, um, Quirinale Palace where the president of Italy lives. So Those are helicopters. So, yeah, part two on how do we actually approach the east. That's a good question, if people are interested. Yeah, so. that's like more of a Nostra Aetate. Yeah. Great, well, man. That was really interesting. Good. I, I hope love it, that stuff. I hope it was interesting. Um, Pot, you got any shout-outs, huh? Um, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I got to think I love about it. it. Uh, okay. Um, now, this is what's happening, is people know we put the uh, the um, the kibosh on, um, we're not giving shout-outs for your friends. So, so Billy in L.A., don't say what's up to Jeannie in New York, or you know what I mean, whatever. Yeah, but yeah. now our friend, like, people that I'm friends with are taking advantage of this. So I will do this for them and then Basta Cosi. So Jordan Canella, who I love, says, shout out to uh, Barrett Mahoney and all the, quote, biggest Catholic stuff podcast fans on the earth, which are found at Benedictine College. So, Oh, yes. That's we one. We love you. Hey, Brother Levin, what's up, man? Brother it's been Levin. A long time. I, it's been a long time is right, yeah. Lisa Goodhue for her brother John, Paul, who's turning 18. This kid was an altar server for me at Boulder. It's kind of crazy how uh, how old they're getting. Chad Van Hoos, who was with us. Oh, yeah. Who sounds exactly like um, Ed, Ed, Edward Norton. Ed Norton, yeah. I was you, listening to him. I always at, think he's Ed Norton. No, you, don't, you couldn't think that? He looks way nicer than Edward Norton, but he his voice, I couldn't get over it. I was just like, oh, my gosh. I but saw something. He said his, his brother-in-law, uh, Jamie Younger, the convert married to his sister Mary, the good dad, six kids at home. So shout out to them as well. So, wow. and then I just want to say thanks to um, Tony Holloway's sister-in-law Jenny for listening because uh, we like Tony a lot. Oh yeah, like Tony down the hall. And then this Halford family, Amy, uh, the mom from Savage, Minnesota, sent us this really nice Christmas card. Really, really oh, nice letter. Thank you. Yeah, thanks a lot there. Appreciate it. They're Halfords. Um, so, anyways, that's that's plenty for today. All right. I, the three amigos, Jaime Sandoval, you're going to have uh, Tyler Dildine, and, you, and then Casey King. Uh, these guys are my old guys from, uh, from Craig, Colorado. I want to shout them out. Um, I have a shout-out for... The students at the university in Ireland who are listening, Joe, who, no, who, somebody told us they were traveling to Ireland and they, I think Peter Williams, and then they heard that from one of the students that a bunch of people at the university in Ireland, I don't even know which university. That's bad. We'll, we'll have to email follow us. up. Yeah, email us. Yeah, thank you. If thank you're in Ireland and you're a college student, thank you for listening. I always love the Irish. I think that's it. Oh, my brother John. Johnny. My brother John, whose confirmation you're, saint is Blaze. Nice. Well Blaze. done. Blaze. Blaze. You're, uh, you're checking off the family each time. I like that. Just kind of. I know. Well, I thought of it because of Blaze. That's good. That's good. Yeah, well, Mikey, thanks for that. I hope we got it. was a long one today. We got a good explanation out, though. Thanks for your patience, everybody, with the uh, podcast as they're going to kind of roll out here in the next few weeks. But hopefully the next month or two we'll have everything worked out. Cheers. We'll just continue on. Does that sound good? All right. Uh, check us out at catholicstuff at gmail.com. Uh, like us on Facebook at gmail. Uh, Catholic Stuff. Come on, we practice this, man. Finish it strong. I know. I don't know. You know the, you know the drill. Mm-hmm.